0: You're listening to the Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as a way filled with the Living Word. A birth the lies, so we can fully rest in your truth. Yeah, yeah.
1: Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight i love that verse lean not on your own understanding don't try to figure it out when you know it's the lord follow his lead listen to his voice do what he says you can trust him without faith it's impossible to please god that's what god loves those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god one of the marks of being genuinely saved is that you're led by the spirit
0: One of the marks that shows that a Christian is truly saved is to be led by the Spirit. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Sometimes in life, we're not going to have all the answers. We as Christians need to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but on God's. The Lord knows what He's doing in our lives. We need to put our faith in Him and be led by His Spirit. He will make our paths straight. Now here's Pastor Danny with Part 1 of today's edition of The Living Word from the Book of Acts, Chapter 8.
1: Acts chapter 8. I started preparing for this message in four hours. I had nothing, nothing to say. And I learned something at my first conference in California that wasn't a Calvary Chapel conference, actually, at John MacArthur's church years ago, the Shepherd's Conference. And in a question and answer session, somebody asked John MacArthur about his study habits and how he prepared messages every week. And here was his answer. And I never forgot it. He said, You keep your dairy air in the chair until the job's done. I had to go away and learn what a dairy air was. Now I know. And so four hours, I had nothing, and I just kept my derriere in the chair, and now I've got more to share than we have time for. Acts chapter eight, Saul of Tarsus in our study will soon be radically saved, will become one of the greatest apostles for Christ. But at this point in our study of the book of Acts, Saul of Tarsus is leading a hellacious persecution against the church. But that persecution backfires in hell's face. Every time Saul and those with him pound the church, it's like pounding on a fire and the sparks fly. The persecution caused the believers to be scattered. Philip is scattered, ends up in Samaria. He preaches the gospel in Samaria, revival breaks out. And that's where we pick up our story, chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That would be Philistine territory. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake. That's a term that means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. Stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth in his humiliation. He was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? That's Isaiah. We know it as Isaiah 53 verses seven and eight. And it's a wonderful prophecy about the suffering of the Messiah. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? So obviously as Philip shared with him the gospel, he also shared about baptism. Repent, believe the good news, receive Christ and be baptized. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way, rejoicing. Star Trek. (laughs) Philip got beamed out and beamed back down 20 miles away in Azotus. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I just love this study (laughs) and i don't know if you will but i loved it so much to learn so much here some i just got to throw out and we got to move on for example philip's willingness to break biblical and religious traditional boundaries in order to share christ with this eunuch there's a racial issue he's a black man but that didn't stop philip there's a cultural issue he's an ethiopian but that didn't stop philip there's also a biblical hurdle Deuteronomy 23, verse one, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord, no eunuch. But the gospel is changing men like Philip and the other disciples. They're not thinking and acting like they used to, praise the Lord. There's also Philip's willingness to obey the Lord's direction for his life. Think about where he's leaving. He's leaving a revival in Samaria. I mean, this is a happening And he's told by the angel, go south to the desert road that leads to Gaza. That's Philistine territory. The persecution scattered them, but that wasn't a choice. They didn't volunteer and say, I'll be a missionary and go there or here or wherever. No, that was a persecution that thrust them out. But here, Philip has a choice. He has a choice. And he's told to leave the happening place and go down a desert road toward Philistine territory. And no other details are given. One commentator writes, there were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza in this day, and the spirit and the angel command Philip to take the one that was seldom used. So it's a desert road, the seldom used desert road. It's going to be dry. It's going to be dusty. It's going to be lonely. But he steps out. He takes off by faith. I could get bogged down here. We're not going to, but just a simple question. How are you doing at taking direction from the Lord? I thought of one verse in light of the context, and you'll see the whole context in our study. Jesus said, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I like catching fish. I don't like fishing. If you hear the rumor, Pastor Danny likes to fish, I do not like to fish. If you're with me, and as soon as you get the bait down, there's not a fish biting, we are moving. (laughs) I don't like to fish. I love to catch. And I love to catch a lot of fish. A lot of fish. But there's something I like more, and I can say it honest before God. I like catching men for Jesus much more than I like catching fish. I love this past Easter. One of the best, most fruitful Easter's we've ever had as a church. Sunrise service, got to share the gospel, and to see out of the hundreds, thousands of people that were there. I mean, blown away. And I, and I said, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ, if you're sitting, would you stand? If you're standing, would you just hold your hand up? And all those people caught a lot of fish, caught a lot of men caught a lot of people for Jesus. I like catching a lot of fish, and I like catching a lot of people for Jesus, but sometimes, sometimes God sends you after just one fish. Like Jesus, he had to go through Samaria. There's a woman there, the woman at the well we call her, because she's at the well at high noon. That's not the normal time to come get your water. It's early in the day. That's the normal time. She comes at noon because she has a reputation. She's had five husbands, and the one she's living with is not her husband. She's been looking for love in all the wrong places. And Jesus goes, led by the Spirit, to get that one fish. And she spawns a whole town coming out to hear Jesus. And it was that groundwork from reaching that one woman that laid the groundwork for even more to be saved as Philip is thrust into Samaria and he also shares the gospel. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. But sometimes when God directs us, it really doesn't make sense. And when the Lord does direct us, sometimes he commands us. He doesn't usually give a lot of detail. He doesn't give you the Google map and says, here's where we're starting and here's where you're going to end up and here's what's going to happen along the way. He doesn't do that. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That's like Philip here. Go south to the desert road. Leave the happening place and head south. And he does it by faith. Here's another great verse. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And he cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. How many times in the Bible did God give direction that didn't make sense? Or God give a command that didn't make sense? Let me just give you a few reminders. Genesis 22, the miracle son, Abraham's son, Isaac. They waited for years, Abraham and Sarah, until they're too old to have kids. But God does a miracle in Sarah's womb. And Isaac is conceived. And now Isaac is a young man. Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, Up on Mount Moriah, which just happens to be where Mount Calvary is. And offer your son as a sacrifice to me. That doesn't make sense. The one son, the seed that God said through your seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Yeah, but this is not the seed. Isaac is just a type, a representation of that seed. The seed, singular in the Hebrew, is Christ. But God's telling a story. Through the real life of Abraham and his one and only son, Isaac. He takes him up on the mountain. It's interesting, they go three days. Isaac willingly gets up on the altar and Abraham has the knife ready to slay his son. And God speaks. And now the picture though is clear. It's the picture of the father and the one and only son. It's a picture of the gospel. It's the cross. But humanly speaking, the cross didn't make sense. The Red Sea. Don't you love these stories in the Bible? I hope you're reading them. God delivers Israel from Egypt and it says he led them to the Red Sea knowing that Pharaoh and his army are going to be there momentarily. Pharaoh and his army are coming and the Israelites are crying out. Oh, we're going to perish. Oh no. Their backs are up against the water. And here's what God says. Here's what God says. Stand still. Stand still. I'm not ready to swim. Stand still. And see the Lord's salvation. And then God parts the water. And there goes Charlton Heston and all the Israelites through the Red Sea. I mean, what a story. And one of my favorite judges. Judges say, Gideon. Gideon. Angel of the Lord comes. That's Christ in the Old Testament. Angel comes to him. He's in a wine press hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat. Angel says, almighty warrior. And he's thinking, Me? But he follows the call and he goes out and he says, anybody come willing to fight the Midianites? Come on, Midianites, massive army. 32,000 Israelites, men show up. God says, that's too many. Tell anybody who's afraid they can go home. 22,000 went home. God says, that's still too many. Takes them down to the brook. Whittles it down to 300, 300. And here's the plan to go against the Midianites. Every man, 300, has a clay jar. They have a torch inside the clay jar. And everyone has a trumpet. At Gideon's command, Gideon says, at my command, shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Nobody has a sword. They got a clay jar, they got fire inside, and they got a trumpet. Where are they going to get a sword? How are they going to carry it? And here's the plan. Shout, break your jars, shine your light, blow your trumpet. That's the plan. You tell me that makes sense. But God took those 300, what the world would consider foolish men, but men who responded in faith, and God defeated a massive Midianite army through their faith. And then there's the widow of Zarephath, 1 Kings 17. You don't need to turn to it. I'm just going to tell them real quick, and we're going to move on. Elijah the prophet, he prayed. Didn't rain for three and a half years. God is providing for Elijah. He's being fed by the ravens. They bring him food, and he's drinking from the brook. But because of the famine, the brook dries up. New plan. Go to Zarephath. I've got a widow there and she'll provide for you. He gets to Zarephath. He sees the widow. He says to her, would you please bring me a drink of water and a piece of bread? She says, sir, all I got is a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering some sticks, going to go home, make one last meal for me and my son that we may die. She's destitute. Elijah says, this is the word of the Lord. Before you do that, would you make a small cake and bring it to me? And then go get a bunch of jars, borrow, and get as many as you can. And she responds in faith, makes the cake, brings it to Elijah. And God multiplies the oil in the jars, so much so that there's enough for her, her son, and Elijah for a long time to come. And then there's stories like Luke 5. Oh, they never get old. They never get old. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now the first hurdle to overcome is you don't go into deep water and throw the net, you throw the net in shallower water. And here's what Peter said. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard on it all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because you say so. Doesn't make sense to a professional fisherman like Peter, but because Jesus said so. And when they had done so, They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Probably more fish than Peter had ever caught as a professional fisherman in his entire life. One more. Mark chapter 6, verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to Jesus. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said, that would take more than a half year's wages are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. And he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, we got five loaves and we got two fish. Have the people sit down. They sat down in groups of about 50 and there are thousands, thousands of people. You got five loaves and two fish. Jesus looks up to heaven, holds the little bit up to heaven, thanks the father, thanks the father, begins to break off to the disciples. They begin to break off to the people. Everybody ate, thousands until they wanted no more. And they took up 12 basketfuls left over. He does it again. And they picked up seven basketfuls left over. What a God we serve. What a God. Here's, here's praise the Lord. That's for the Lord. But listen. Say this with me. Come on now. Say it with me. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And he will make your path straight. I love that verse. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. When you know it's the Lord, follow his lead. Listen to his voice. Do what he says. You can trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what God loves. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. One of the marks of being genuinely saved is that you're led by the Spirit. Galatians gives us a real practical verse. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Now, how do I do that? Well, there's two quick ways to get out of step with the Spirit. And they're easy to understand. You'll understand them. One is this. I do something that I know I shouldn't do. That's called sin. Now I'm out of step with the spirit. I grieve the spirit when I do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And the second is just the the flip side of that. This one, grieving the Holy Spirit, I do something I know I shouldn't do. I sin. Willfully. I go somewhere I shouldn't go. Willfully. I grieve the spirit. You flip it around. I don't do something I should do. That's when I quench the spirit. I put out the fire. I don't do it, and so God is not able to do in and through my life what He wants to do. Unless Philip obeys and leaves the happening places, goes down south, even though he doesn't know why he's going, but unless he takes that step of faith, he never reaches that Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I believe God would have sent somebody else, but Philip is the guy he called. Don't quench. The Spirit. Now, we got to move on, but I want to read one more verse to help us again, maybe a little more understand how we know when the Spirit is leading us. How we know when the Spirit is leading us. Romans chapter 8, in one verse, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. You're just thinking about satisfying your fleshly appetite. You're living for self and living for this life. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Now, the easiest way I know to explain that, and it's very simple, but the easiest way is if I'm not on a regular basis saying, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, lead me by your Spirit. And then trying to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. It's where my mind is set. you got to want to be led by the Lord. To be sensitive and become sensitive, to be led by the Lord. So if you're just going through the day and you're not thinking about the Lord and not wanting the Lord's will, no wonder you're not sensitive to when he says move, when he leads you. Happened to me just recently. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this pastor friend who I hadn't seen in five years or so comes to my mind. Out of nowhere. No reason for me to think about him. No reason. And I took it as from the Lord. And I went to the number I had for him. It was a cell phone number. And I thought, five years? Is it, it, does he still have the same cell phone? I, I'll just try. And I call him. I said, hey, man, I haven't talked to you in for so long. On third ring, he, he answered. I said, hey, man, I haven't talked to you for so long. How are you doing? He said, I can't believe you called. And he began to go on about the tough time he had been through and was still in. That was the Lord. But it was just an Impression. It would just, it would just, he just came to my mind and you got to be sensitive. If that happens, you go, well, why? I wasn't, there's no reason for me to be thinking about him. So it was the Lord. It was the Lord. Because of Philip's obedience, he ends up discovering his primary gifting and his primary calling in following Jesus Christ. He was star trekked out of Samaria and star trekked in Azotus, 20 miles away. He would spend the rest of his life popping into places and popping out of places. You know why? And not necessarily miraculously like that. But there's a message in that popping in and popping out, that miracle. And the message is this. That's what evangelists do. And that's what Philip became. We know. Acts 21.8. He's referred to as Philip the evangelist. Let's go back to how he discovered God's call and will for his life. He was one of the first deacons of the early church. That tells us he was a servant. He had a servant's heart. He persevered persecution. Samaria, he continued to share the word. He followed God's leading, even when, humanly speaking, it did not make sense. And because of his servant's heart, his perseverance, and his willingness to obey, even when it didn't make sense, he discovered the primary calling and gifting for his life. He became Philip the evangelist. And he had an ability, but it didn't come miraculously. It came through study and effort and work. He was able to share Jesus and the gospel from the Old Testament. Now, I know they didn't have the New Testament at that point, but let me ask you, could you share the gospel with someone from the Old Testament? If you share with a Jew who doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah, you do no good by reading or telling him anything from the New Testament because he does not believe the New Testament. And the only way you're going to be able to share Jesus with him is through the Old Testament. I challenge you to make it a goal. Listen, when that verse that Paul wrote to Timothy study to show yourself to prove, a workman, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, but rightly handles the word of truth. That's not just for professional preachers and teachers. That's for any Christian. That's for you. That's for everybody. I want to give you real quick and then I got to move on. My favorite, the top eight Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Now there are a lot more. But if you just learn these eight, write them in your Bible and do a little bit of work to learn them, you'll be able to share Christ from the Old Testament. The first is Jesus's birthplace. I'm not gonna take time because there's one last point and we gotta get it because God wants us to get it. The second, Abraham and Isaac. You learn that story. There's the gospel right there in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Third, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas Iscariot. Fourth, Zechariah. I love this one. I love this one. It goes like this, take the 30 pieces of silver, the handsome price you paid me, and throw it into the house of the Lord to the potter. That's what it says. Judas Iscariot, filled with remorse, not repentance, because of what he had done, takes the 30 pieces of silver that the Jewish leadership had paid him to betray Jesus, goes back to the temple, the house of the Lord, throws it into the house of the Lord. The Jewish leadership pick up every piece, and they say, it's blood money, so we can't put it into the temple treasury. It's defiled. So what we'll do, we'll buy a field, the potter's field, as a burial place for foreigners. Amazing prophecy, amazing prophecy. Number five, Psalm 22, 16, before anybody ever thought of crucifying someone on a cross, this prophecy, they pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22 verse 18, they divide my clothes among them, cast lots for my garment. That's what the soldiers did. They gambled for Jesus's clothing at the foot of the cross. Isaiah 53, where the eunuch was reading, verse eight is the death. Verse nine is the burial. Verse 11 is the resurrection. It's right there.
0: Being a part of a church community is a theme we see in the book of Acts. It's important to surround yourself with people who are actively seeking Jesus in their everyday life. People who can encourage you and support you in your own walk of faith. You, in turn, get the opportunity to share your gifts and talents with your church family. If you haven't yet found a church in your area, we encourage you to find one soon. Are you in the St. Petersburg area? We'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet each Saturday at 6 p.m. and again on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Each service contains Bible study, prayer, and worship of our incredible Savior. Hang out for a little while afterwards to meet some friendly faces. Don't forget to shake hands with Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Fellowship at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you can't join us in person, we have a live stream of all of our weekend services. Just visit ccfstpete.church and click on the link in the menu. While you're at our site, you can listen to additional teachings from more books of the Bible by clicking on sermons. You'll be redirected to our YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. You'll find the link again at our website, ccfst p-e-t-e church that's all we have time for today on the living word may God bless you as you continue to seek him in your personal life and in your community join us again next time for another edition of the living word